everyone, and a very warm welcome to Grow Your Own Way, a podcast for anyone looking to reclaim the power of their own personal growth and be exactly who they want to be. I'm your host, Kevin Roberts, and I'm a life coach and growth geek who genuinely gets joy out of helping people become the best versions of themselves. Throughout this podcast, we aim to give everyone the belief that there is no one right way to grow. And hopefully we will inspire and motivate people to forge their own paths and in turn live a life that is true to them. In today's episode, we talk about the often contentious topic of multitasking. There's often a debate whether it's this popular productivity booster or if it's an efficiency killer. So which is it? Well, today we're going to explore what it means to multitask, the impact it has on our brains and some potential downfalls, as well as looking at some tips that could help us gain control over our time and energy. So, if you're ready, let's get started. So let's begin this episode then with a simple question. Do you think it's possible for people to multitask? Now, as innocent a question as that sounds, it's always guaranteed to spark a great deal of conversation. It seems people don't realise how passionately they care about the subject until they start talking about it. You'll get people in two camps generally. You'll get those in the, I'm amazing at multitasking, I can do five things at once. And you'll get those on the side of, it's a myth, no one can multitask. And when these two camps meet, it's like camp wars and they're willing to fight tooth and nail for what they believe in. So which camp do you sit in? Or have you set your own camp up and have a completely different opinion? As you can guess from the title of the podcast, I lean more towards it being a myth. But as this is such a contentious topic, I thought I would record an episode to try and share some thoughts about why I think this way. Now, all I ask for during this episode is an open mind. Uh, You may already be disagreeing with me, uh, you may fully agree with me, or you may just think this is all nonsense. Whatever it is, however you want to think, is your call. All I ask for is just hear me out and then see what you think at the end. And throughout, I'm going to try and cover a few different topics, uh, ranging from what multitasking is to how it impacts our well-being. And then near the end of the episode, I'll also share some tips that hopefully we can bring some ideas to life. But first, I think a great place to start is to get on the same page about the term multitasking. Now, without a shadow of doubt, this is always the first place arguments begin because people are working to different definitions. So let's agree on one. Now, the definition that I like to work towards is working on two or more complex tasks. Now, note the cool word there, complex. Argument number one that I always get is something like, Well, I can walk and breathe, so surely that counts as multitasking. Now, if that's your opening argument, I I think you're clutching at straws already. However, yes, there are times that we can do minor tasks at the same time. Things that we don't even think about are automatic system responses. Yes, we can walk and breathe at the same time. In fact, it's quite essential. But when we talk about multitasking, it's more about the complex tasks. And a good rule of thumb here is something that you would write on a to-do list. I doubt anyone is writing on their to-do list, breathe or yawn or blink or anything like that. So with that new definition, we can reword our first question. So we can now say, can you complete two or more complex tasks at the same time? Now, some of you may have changed your mind how we've rephrased it. But yet again, I know there's going to be people saying, yes, absolutely, I can. It's easy and I'm amazing at it. Well, firstly, there's research to say that those who claim they're multitasking is phenomenal are amongst the least productive, but that's a completely different story. But the important part to take away is really the answer is no. Now, 
before you get all antsy with me and start emailing me to complain, this is not just my point of view. It's actually got foundations in neuroscience. When we look at the human brain, the prefrontal cortex, the front of your brain, is the part that's frequently been implicated as the region where multitasking takes place. It's almost the executive branch of our brain and controls what we're focused on at any given time. Now, whilst the prefrontal cortex can be aware of two tasks at the same time, the actual neural pathways needed to complete the complex activity are quite different. And only one of those pathways is going to be working at a time. So our prefrontal cortex almost actually blocks what we think is multitasking. However, and this is a mighty however, and I think this is the cause of almost every argument when it comes to multitasking, whilst the brain cannot process both neural pathways at the same time, it can and does flick between two at a rapid speed. So what that means is what we perceive to be multitasking is actually task switching. Now, obviously, the faster that switch, the more it seems like you're multitasking. But sadly, it's not the case. Now, I'll, I'll talk about in a minute why this matters and why it's important to kind of focus on task switching. But for those who may still be a little skeptical, I've created a little exercise to hopefully bring this to life. Now, if you are driving or you're doing something where you really need to concentrate, maybe don't do this now, but save it for a little later when it's safer. But for everyone else, I would like you to pick a focus point. So maybe an object or a person that's, say, 10 feet away from you. Now what I want you to do is raise your hand and hold it maybe six inches or so in front of your face and position it so in your line of vision you have the original object you're looking at and your hand. Now, you can see both objects, can't you? So arguably, you're multitasking. However, are you focused on both? Try it. Try and focus on both the thing that's six inches away from your hand and that's 10 feet away from you. I'm going to take a guess you can't do it, can you? However, try this. Try focusing on your hand, then to the object, then back to your hand, and back to the object. Makes life a bit easier doing that, doesn't it? And that is the same as task switching. Yes, you're looking at both, you're aware of both, but they independently need your focus. And that's what your brain does when it switches tasks. So maybe I have you on board a little bit more now and you may be thinking, fine, Kevin, I can't multitask, but I can task switch, which I still think is the same thing, by the way. So what's the harm in doing that? And I know someone's going to be thinking that because without a doubt, every time I've given this explanation, someone has said pretty much those words verbatim. Uh, but luckily, I'm prepared because task switching and doing it more often can actually have quite a varied impact on your productivity, on your thought processes and on your health and happiness as well. So throughout the episode, I want to cover all of those. And I think a great place to start is with productivity and efficiency. Uh, and the reason I want to start here is I think it's maybe where there's been the most research and the most studies. Uh, and the most widely used one in my experience was a study by a neuroscientist at Stanford University, which claims that task switching can lead to a 40% drop in productivity. In case you didn't hear that, that's 4-0. Now, that is phenomenal. If I walked into a room anywhere on this planet and said, hey, I can help you reduce your productivity by 40%, what do you think they'll say to me? They will laugh in my face, they will kick me out, and I will never be welcome back. Yet this is exactly 
what people are doing when they claim multitasking is the way forward. That is what they can fall prey to. And yet again, this is not just a theory. I've got another exercise that I can test this out. It is a bit of fun, um, so try not to take it too seriously, but it hopefully highlights the difference between focused on one task and trying to split between the two. So what you're going to need is you're going to need a piece of paper, a pen, and a timer. Uh, What I'd like you to do is draw a horizontal line across the paper. Uh, And in a moment, we are simply going to write the numbers 1 through 20 above a horizontal line and the phrase, I'm a great multitasker, underneath it. That's all we're going to do. We're going to do that twice, but we're going to do it in two different ways and we're going to time ourselves. So if you are doing this as you go along, after each explanation, press pause, do the exercise and press play. Um, Alternatively, you can just do it a little bit later on. But firstly, what I'd like you to do is alternate between writing the numbers and the sentence. So above the line, write the number one, and beneath it, write the letter I. Then above, you write two, below the letter A, above three, below M, and so on and so on. So what you're doing is you're switching between those two tasks of writing one through 20 and the phrase, I'm a great multitasker, and time yourself doing that. So if you want to do that, press pause now and then come back. And then we're going to do the exercise again. However, this time what we're going to do is we're going to write another horizontal line. Above that line, we're going to write the numbers first, the 1 through 20, and then the sentence underneath it. So I'm a great multitasker. We're going to complete one task, then move on to the next. And again, time yourself there. Now, if you've just done that exercise, what did you notice? Now, deliberately before this episode, I did that exercise so I could share my results Uh, When I split the tasks and and switched between the tasks, it took me 36 seconds. When I focused on one task at a time, it took me 20 seconds, Uh, which very spookily is very close to a 40% difference. I think it works out to 44% difference. Now, yes, that's just a bit of fun, but it highlights the impact that it can have. It highlights the impact that task switching has on our productivity. And we can move on from there and say, actually, another way that we can be impacted by this constant task switching is that it can impact our short-term memory. So whenever we learn new information or skills or tasks, our brains need time to map those new neural pathways. It's almost like we've got a Word document typed out and the brain just needs somewhere to save it so we can recall it with ease later. However, what happens if whilst the brain is trying to file that document, you keep changing it. You keep adding new, almost irrelevant information. You keep mixing up the order of the content. You keep deleting stuff, adding stuff. How is our brain supposed to file that information? How is it supposed to file it so we can easily recall this brand new information that we've just taken on board? It just means it gets a bit messy and it means we struggle, which yet again, like I say, that impacts our short-term memory. So the next way that constantly switching tasks can have impact is on how involved or how connected we get to a task, or in other words, how much we get in the flow. Now, I know I'm not the only person who is far more productive when I'm in the flow. I'm in the groove. And I think we're all familiar with that phrase. But it means we've got rid of distractions. We've got nothing else to focus on. We find ourselves sailing through that task And that's because we're not switching back and forth between two different things. We must all know that it's not easy to switch from task to task and get up to speed straight away. 
We need to remember where we were, what we were thinking, uh, the concept of what we were trying to say or what we were trying to achieve. We need to get in the right mindset. Do we need our creative hat on or our analytical one? Say, for example, you're reading a book and every night before you go to sleep, you know where your page is, you know what happened last night, you know what kind of book you're reading and you've got yourself ready for it. But what happens if you're reading, say, two books or three books at the same time? Every time you pick up one of them, you have to remind yourself of where you are. You may even have to go back a few pages to remember the story or the concepts. It may take you a little time to get in the mood for the book. And by the time you've done all of that, you're too tired and you go to sleep without reading any more of the book. Now, I know that's going to sound familiar for people. I've certainly been guilty of it. But it's just another example of what can happen when we task switch rather than focus on a single one. Um, and just now I mentioned that word creativity. So I think it's worth talking about that too. Uh, and now it's no surprise that we are seeing more and more businesses with dedicated creative spaces, whether to call it innovation centers or ideas hubs or whatever they want to call it. Um, I'm not sure if you've been in one, but generally when you walk in, you don't have your phone, you don't have a laptop, there's no distractions around the room, you're all in the same space and you're all present with each other. And the reason it's set up like that is because it helps people get into a creative mindset. When you're not flicking back and forth between tasks, when you're not being distracted by emails or someone else is asking you to quickly do us a favor, you give your mind the space and time to be free, to think of new ideas, to think outside of the box, and more importantly, time to digest and consider new ways of thinking. Now, I've covered a bit there of what it can do to our productivity and effectiveness, but also then what is it doing to our lives? Well, I think for for me, the biggest alarm bell came when I was reading um, some research that task switching was actually causing anxiety in people. Now, based on what we've already talked about, we can see some of the causes of that. If we are less productive, less focused, less creative, all of that can lead to anxiety about job performance or self-worth or self-esteem. But again, let's look at what the neuroscientists are telling us about task switching. In our earlier exercise, when I asked you to focus on an object in your hand, it took effort to refocus. If you did that nonstop for eight hours, just imagine how sore your eyes would be. Well, it's the same for our brains. Whenever we switch tasks, it uses up oxygenated glucose in our brains, which is the fuel that we need to focus on the task itself. So what happens when we use up all of that fuel? Well, we don't have any left for anything else in our mind, which impacts so many different areas of our lives. We don't have the energy to stop and think, or the energy to reflect, or to meditate, or be present, or be mindful. And all of these things we know can cause anxiety. And we've all been mentally drained at some point, so we know what it feels like. We know the impact it had on our lives and our health at any given time. Yet constant task switching can increase the likelihood of this happening. Uh, and I don't know about you, but for me, that was genuinely a real wake-up call. Uh, and talking of wake-up calls, I'll, I'll cover this one last thought before moving on to what we can do about it. And it is the impact that this has on relationships, which I've experienced to be massive, I've witnessed to be massive. Uh, so let me run a few examples by you. 
say you're watching a TV show and your friend or your partner or family member wants to talk to you. How many people, hand on heart, turn a TV off and focus on the conversation? I, I know from experience it's not that common. You just try and do both things. You try to listen and you try to watch. And inevitably what happens? You are either A, going to focus on one more than the other, which never really has a happy ending, or you're going to miss what's on TV and you're not going to be present for the conversation. So actually, you get less done trying to do both. Just imagine if you turn the TV off or said, give me five minutes and I'll give you a call. Uh, another example, maybe you're trying to spend time with someone, but you're on the phone at the same time. It's okay though, because you can talk and look through Instagram because you're so good at multitasking. Uh, yes, you can uh, guess that people have said that to me, uh, but sorry to tell you, you're not. You just come across as rude. Choose one or the other. Uh, or my personal favorite is people holding their phones or having it in front of them on the table. Yes, we may be having a conversation right now, but we know what's going to happen when that phone buzzes. The moment you feel it buzz on the table in your hand, your brain will switch tasks. And remember, it uses energy to do that. So that connection you had with me is gone. Um, and I know I'm not the only person this impacts. Like I say, I've seen relationships crash and burn because people were trying to multitask rather than being present. And as per everything we've talked about so far, it just doesn't work. Now, that's almost sounded like I've, I've had a bit of a moan there, um, but I, I, I'm not intending to. This is something that I'm passionate about. Um, and it's something that I've seen and continue to see the impact of. I've, I've seen it, like I say, ruin relationships. I've seen it derail careers. I've seen it damage people's well-being, their health, their mindsets. Um, all because of this constant stream of being told multitasking is the way forward. Whereas if we said, actually, I'm not going to force my brain to switch tasks every five seconds. I'm going to dedicate time to a specific task. Um, and as per all of my episodes, there are hints and tips about how we can do that. So what I'd like to do is just share some of these tips about how we can move away from the mindset of multitasking and hopefully take a bit more control. Now, I've jotted down seven tips. Uh, some of these tips have worked for me. Some of them I have seen work for other people. Uh, you don't have to do all seven. All I hope, I suppose, is that you take whichever works for you and start reaping the benefits of it. So tip number one, then, is to buy into what we've talked about today. Now, this isn't me being preachy or anything like that, but I've talked to people about multitasking before and I've given some of these tips and I can just see them ignoring me. They're just nodding along, but they have zero interest, zero kind of confidence in what I'm talking about. They steadfastly refuse to believe that it's an issue, that I'm talking nonsense, that multitasking is real and they're amazing at it. Now, when people have that mindset, none of my tips are going to work because the people don't think they need to do anything differently. So the first step is to buy into the science, understand that we can do better, understand that it does have an impact and just keep that mind of yours open. Uh, tip number two is to understand yourself and your own rhythms. So I'm talking about when your energy is at its highest and its lowest. Now, we all have our own circadian rhythms. The most common being our body clock that tells us when to sleep and when to wake up. But there's more going on in our body than just that. It's those rhythms that dictate when certain proteins or chemicals are released into our body. Uh, maybe it's the ones telling us when it's time to eat, which I listen to a lot. Um, 
But what this means throughout the day is that we will have times where we feel super productive and energized and we feel like we can take on the world. And there will be times where we just want to sit down and be quiet. And here's the thing, they're all different. Every single person who's listening to me, we, we have different rhythms. So what I will say is take time to understand your own. Understand the time of day that you could write up a piece of work nonstop for two hours with minimal fuss. And the times of day you'll only be able to concentrate for 10, 20 minutes at a time. We all have those ups and downs, so please, please, please just take time to know when yours are. And once you have that information, you can benefit from tip three, which is to plan your time accordingly. If you know you have a big presentation due and you need two hours of uninterrupted time, pick a time slot that matches your rhythm. If you don't, what happens, and we've all been there, we've all seen this, you try and do this important piece of work when your energy is at its lowest. You'll get distracted and you will constantly task switch, whether it's reading emails or doing a task that's a bit easier or checking your phone. But what that will mean is this whole thing will take twice as long as it should have if you were chosen to do it at a smarter time. And, and share this with people as well. Communicate this, whether it's like with your partner or your colleagues. Um, I'm generally quite productive in the morning. I would say that's my high energy level. Um, but try and get me to do something when it's lunchtime. Uh, anyone who's ever worked to me, spent time with me, had a chat with me, the moment I, my hunger takes over, I'm useless. Um, so we know we're going to have a challenge. So I make that known. I know my energy. I know my rhythms. So I plan my day accordingly. I'm recording this right now in the morning because I know this is where my energy levels, this is where I can get excited about talking. So tip number four, what was tip number four? Oh, it was for those who may have the best intentions to stay focused, but can be very easily distracted by the environment around them. And the tip is take control of your environment. Now, I, I, I actually learned from this tip myself a week ago. I, I found that I could schedule notifications that came from my phone. So instead of Instagram pinging whenever there was a notification forcing me to switch tasks, I now only get notified three times a day, which I'm in control of. Uh, and that's a great example of taking control of your environment. And you can do the same. You could say, put do not disturb on, on your phone or your Teams account. You could turn off notifications from your emails. Yeah, again, on your phone or your computer. You can limit the notifications that come through. You could uh, leave your phone or your tablet in another room or in your bag. You can tell people at, at the office or at home that you are unavailable between certain hours. There are so many things you can do to give yourself a fighting chance of staying focused on that one task as long as you take ownership of it. Set yourself up for success. Set your environment that is going to give you the best chance of success and is going to reduce the opportunity or the chance rather for you to task switch. And tip number five is, yet again, for maybe those who maybe need a little bit more help, um, and that's use technology to help you out. You could download a Pomodoro timer app. Uh, if you're not aware of the Pomodoro technique, it says focus on one task for 25 minutes, then have a five-minute break. Uh, we can get apps that will actually set those alarms for you, so you don't even have to worry about timing it. You could set parental controls up or timers on websites so you only have access to at certain times of day. Uh, you can install software on your computer that help keeps you focused. There's something like Rescue Time, I think it's called. 
Um, or you can gamify it. So download apps. I've got a, an app on my phone called Forest uh, and it helps you plant trees. So I'll say for the next 45 minutes, I'm not going to touch my phone and I'll pick a plant uh, to grow. Uh, it's such a simple thing. And anyone who knows me at all knows that's something that would definitely work for me because I love games. But the point is, just find something that works for you. If there's technology, if there's something that's going to make your life easier, use it. Tip number six is slightly different, but it is to explore the possibility of using mindfulness techniques. Now, I've, I've mentioned mindfulness an awful lot. I've had conversations for hours about mindfulness techniques for people. But just to remind you, the purpose of mindfulness techniques is to bring your attention to the present, to the current situation. And that will help you recognize when you're trying to multitask or switch tasks. An issue with us switching between tasks regularly is that we don't realize we're doing it. It's just we almost go into autopilot. We may think it's helping us uh, or we just get sucked down a rabbit hole of just jumping from one thing to the next to the next without really thinking about it. And we don't realize we have zero energy left until it's too late. So maybe try building mindfulness techniques into your day-to-day lives just to bring attention to what you're doing. Because after all, attention creates intention. I'm not sure if I've heard that before. I've just made that up, but that's an amazing sentence. So I'm going to say that some more now, I think. Uh, but anyway, the, the last tip then. So tip number seven would be to schedule lots of breaks. It's always a nice one to finish on. But it is always important just to pause and recalibrate your mind. Task switching takes a lot of energy. So give yourself the time to move from one thing to the next with ease. Give yourself credit for staying focused for 25 minutes and take that next five to relax and clear your head. If I finish one task and move on to the next, a cup of tea is always my, my choice. I say, right, okay, I've done this now. I'll walk away, I'll make a cup of tea, I'll sit back down, I'm ready for a new task. And these breaks really, really give you time to recharge your mental energy and they let you take that focus onto whatever challenge lies ahead. And there we have it. They are my tips to help everyone bust the myth of multitasking and, and hopefully limit the amount of energy we expend on task switching and on everyday lives. Now, I've given this advice to so many people in the past, and, and not just from a professional point of view. I've done it in my personal life. I've used a lot of these hints and tips as well. Um, yes, reducing the amount of task switching will help you become more productive and more efficient. But there is also good research to show that it will help make you happier and healthier. It can help you strengthen relationships. It can help you live a life with intention and purpose. It can help give you control over your life. And with that control, always gives you the chance to truly grow your own way. And with that, we've reached the end of today's episode. Uh, and if previous conversations are anything to go by, I know this is going to create some debates, uh, but hopefully also some open and honest interactions. Now, if you have any strong feelings one way or another, then please let me know. I, I love hearing your thoughts. You can do it on LinkedIn or the official Grow Your Own Way Instagram page. Uh, the links to both of these can be found in the show notes. And as always, I'd love to hear any general feedback you had for the podcast or maybe topics you would love to hear more about. If you are sharing this episode with your friends, remember to tag me on social media and I will, of course, reshare your stories. Uh, and a reminder that it would be amazing if you could subscribe to the podcast and give it a rating, all of which helps us get these messages out to even more people. But for now, I just want to say thank you so much for listening. I hope you all stay safe and well, and I will speak to you on the next episode of Grow Your Own Way. Goodbye.